0: Welcome to the Maritime Vision Podcast, where we connect with industry experts to explore every facet of the maritime industry. This podcast is hosted by Paul Louis-Holy. Hello everyone, welcome to a new episode, and today we have a special guest joining us, a senior advisor with a wealth of knowledge and experience in the field of climate and environment welcome to our guest nick lurkin a senior advisor for climate and environment at the royal association of netherlands ships owners so welcome everyone welcome to this new episode on today in this episode we are with nick uh hello nick how are you good morning good afternoon sorry i'm fine how are you yes i'm i'm doing fantastic thank you uh on today in this podcast we are going to talk about sustainability and about the Royal uh, Netherlands Association of Shipowners. So it can be very interesting as well to talk about it. And uh, I'm going to ask you uh, the first question. Can you introduce yourself, please, uh, Nick?
1: Yeah, I will keep it short since uh, we have so many things to discuss uh, with regards yeah. to sustainability and um, shipping. So my name is Nick Lurkin, I'm a senior advisor. Uh, Climate and Environment at the KVNR, as we, uh, we call it in the Netherlands, uh, the Dutch Ship Owners Association. Um, and uh, we represent uh, Dutch uh, shipping companies, uh, roughly uh, 140 companies, under uh, with f- vessels under Dutch flag as well as uh, under uh, non-Dutch flag under Dutch management.
0: Uh, did you work in the maritime industry uh, from the beginning uh, in your career or did you did you, did you do something else before?
1: No, I worked uh, actually straight from my studies, after my studies. uh, So I studied at the Hague University of Applied Sciences. I did European studies, so completely different topic than uh, I used to work uh, nowadays on, although, of course, a lot of regulations are also coming from Brussels. So I know how the decision-making in Brussels works uh, at the EU level. Um, But uh, my family originally originally is... um, worked in the inland navigation industry, so uh, I still have a cousin who is uh, sailing off one of those uh, barges on the
0: Rhine River. Okay, nice. Okay, perfect. So, I would like to switch to the first uh, topics, which is sustainability. Uh, I would like to ask you the question, uh, what concerns we have, especially for example in the Netherlands, about sustainability in the maritime industry?
1: Well, as you may be aware, of course, uh, decarbonisation of our industry is uh, really a hot topic, uh, so to say, um, in our industry. Um, And I'm not saying this since I'm uh, as an advisor uh, on climate and environment, but I think in broad sense, in all boardrooms, also uh, in the shipping companies, uh, large companies, small shipping companies, uh, sustainability and also decarbonisation is a key priority uh, of, uh, of our members, so Dutch shipping companies, but I think also other shipping companies. So it really concerns us, um, not per se as a, in a negative way, but we really see it as an opportunity also to be, become part of the energy transition uh, in, in general.
0: Okay, okay. And In the Netherlands specifically, do we have more challenges than other countries for the maritime or is it still a global issue?
1: Well, I think, of course, um, many uh, Dutch shipping companies uh, with their ships are mainly operating uh, short sea, so uh, short distances. uh, So they're actually mainly operating in European waters. As you may be aware, uh, the European Union uh, has agreed on a package with climate measures also for shipping, so that's quite new. So instead of uh, global measures like IMO, we also will have, uh, as from next year already, and the years after we have uh, European measures um, with carbon pricing with a fuel standard so uh, mainly Dutch shipping companies will be well uh, will be part of, of of those schemes of those measures and uh, they have to pay uh, also attention of course to sustainability because if you don't, then you will pay uh, a lot of money. Uh, mm-hmm. and and you have to see whether uh, you're still in business then after uh, a decade or so. It's important, of course, that we that we, we have really also an intrinsic motivation to decarbonize and to become more sustainable. So that's good, and that's why I'm also happy to represent uh, the Dutch shipping companies since they already have this, uh, and they also see themselves already that uh, you need to have a vision on uh, sustainability, otherwise you're out of business also as a shipping company. Wow. Um, as I mentioned uh, before, uh, the Dutch shipping sector is mainly active in European waters. We have since, uh, well, since a couple of months, there has been a package agreed at European level with climate measures. So also uh, maritime transport will become part of uh, the Fit for 55 package of uh, the Commissioner Frans Timmermans uh, from the European Commission. Um, And that means that uh, shipping will become part of carbon pricing, EU ETS, as well as a a fuel standard with EU maritime. So that means that mainly ships that operate in European waters or are going to and from, sailing from European ports will become part of those uh, measures. And they have to do something at least to, well, uh, to become more sustainable, of course, um, and also to really keep this license to operate.
0: Okay, okay. And for you, what are the what are the best measures right now we can do to improve the, this sustainability? For example, uh, I don't know with hydrogen, this kind of technologies. What is the more effective one for you, in your opinion?
1: <laughs> <It's>, uh <laughs> the golden question, I would say. Um, well, uh, let's put it this way: um, I don't own ships, so for me, it's easy to to say uh, uh, what solution I like or I don't like. Um, no, but what, what we see uh, in general with our members is that they different have different strategies, uh, but it also depends, of course, on the sailing pattern of a vessel, uh, which markets do you operate, the length of the voyages, for example, deep sea, yeah, so longer voyages versus short sea, shorter voyages. Yeah, yeah. it also depend, it depends on the energy density of the fuel or the energy carrier, Uh, You can imagine, for example, uh, that uh, for for batteries, um, maybe a really short distance is possible. uh, So to sail out of a port, uh, zero emission could be reality uh, now or in uh, in the next uh, years. But of course, really sailing on batteries... From the Netherlands, for example, to the UK, that will take a bit longer, and especially the longer the route, of course, the, the longer it takes. So it really depends on the on, on different aspects, um, which fuel or energy carrier you want to use. And I th- also think believe that we should not only focus on, on the, the fancy new-built vessels, uh, so the hydrogen-powered vessels, um, uh, green mm. methanol, uh, green ammonia vessels of course that's that's important that that's everybody where everybody's looking at but we also should also pay really good attention to existing vessels since a vessel will uh economically as well as technically last for more than 30 years um so the vessels you already have for 5 years they still sail, in uh, well just before 2050 so we should all have a look as well on the existing vessels uh, rather than just looking at the uh, new builds, vessels with the fancy uh, new fuels. Um, so we see also already some members of ours that um, that are looking at that, f- for example, with carbon capture. So they capture the, the CO2 emissions so it doesn't uh, go uh, out in the air. And then they will bring it also to greenhouses here in the Netherlands as well as in the UK. Uh, Mm. See, um, well, behind me, there's a painting of an uh, old uh, sailing yeah. boat. Uh, see also more and more members, especially in the short sea, uh, making use of uh, wind assistance propulsion to also uh, become more energy efficient. So these are also good initiatives to, well, to become cleaner.
0: Yeah. Uh, do, do Do you believe in sail? Because a lot many people are talking about you know uh, to add sails on board cargos, but I think it's in terms of efficiency that's not really possible.
1: Well, of course. Uh, I mean, if you want to really go back to these uh, ships, yeah. um uh, Well, there are some some really sustainable initiatives on that, uh, also with with a big sailing vessel that is uh, going around the world with cigars and uh, chocolate <laughs> from the Caribbean uh, to to uh, Europe. Um, but of course, then, well, for example, fresh fruit from the South Americas to Europe, uh, yeah, we cannot say, yeah, they will come two weeks later and then uh, the, the fresh fruit is all rotten. So
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> we of course
1: want the bananas to become, to, to, to be green in the supermarket at least. So, of course, really to go back like to to these vessels that, that will be uh, uh, really hard, of course. But if we look on on the, the wind-assisted propulsion, uh, so it doesn't mean it's fully on sails; it's it's uh, assisting. Yeah. But that can make uh, ships more energy efficient, uh, and it depends, of course, also on the uh, on the wind uh, and the, the areas you are. Um, but it can really uh, help uh, well between 5 to 20% at least uh, to become more energy efficient so it saves you also costs but also CO2 emissions and other emissions
0: okay yeah. yeah it it will be the problem with sales we cannot predict you know the wind the forecast is quite complicated so for uh, for broker for jobs like that it will be you know quite complicated to to anticipate this kind of technology, but uh, I think uh, it's more realistic to talk about, you know, hydrogen, uh, biofuel, things like that. We uh, still have some boats using this kind of technologies, um, especially in Norway. I know that they they built uh, one ships using uh, this kind of technology. So, if, if the Netherlands do we developed uh, this kind of ships, or it's still in progress?
1: No, it's already there. It's already in place. We have already some members that are making use of uh, those venti uh, foils, as they are called, from uh, EconoWind, which is also a Dutch uh, company who make those uh, sails. So it's a really key, a really Dutch product on on a Dutch uh, on some Dutch vessels. So, okay. um, but it's really a, a, a one piece of the puzzle, so to say, to 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 save energy and also to uh, emit less emissions. I mean there there are more technologies uh, and fuels, as you already mentioned and uh, especially for the existing vessels this is one solution that at least for uh, some of our members uh, work out quite well
0: okay okay on uh, when you talk about the Netherlands we always think about you know Damen shipyards which is one of the biggest shipyards in the Netherlands uh, do, do you work with them or not no, we uh, solely
1: uh, represent uh, shipping companies, so uh, the, the the users of the ships, uh, so to say. Um, of course, uh, we know collaborate closely with uh, our sister organization or sister organization. It's another association, uh, the ship uh the shipbuilders association. So, the Netherlands Maritime Technologies, yep. where the suppliers um but also the yachts, uh the yacht builders um the yards uh, are also um, represented we work closely okay. with them also uh, on different topics also when it comes to uh, uh climate and environment so your your advice that... since we don't own ships ourselves uh we don't work directly uh with shipyards but of course we have our mm. contacts also uh in those uh fields of the maritime sector.
0: Okay, interesting. So interesting. So now we can switch to the second topics about uh, this Royal Association of Netherlands ship owners. So KVNR. So yeah, you already talked a little bit about it, but uh, what uh, I think I can say, what measures uh, are you taking to, you know, to, to improve sustainability or not just sustainability, every other aspects in the industry?
1: Well, I think um, we we don't take measures, um, but but we help our members also uh, inform by informing them about upcoming regulations. Uh, that's mainly my task um, to to uh, update them. Um, but on the other hand, we also follow developments. We do our uh, knowledge sharing, so we organize meetings also. With shipping companies, uh, the secretariat of, of our association, uh, also maybe with some external uh, stakeholders, other speakers, to speak about the latest developments uh, with regards to sustainability, uh, fuels, etc. So um, we're more a networking uh, association or a networking uh, partner together with our members. Um, okay. So, and, and of course, I mean, I cannot uh, put a gun on their uh, head and say, you have to decarbonize now, you should invest in uh, hydrogen. I mean, we're, as an association, we're a few agnostics. That means that we have a quite neutral uh, position, uh, whether it's uh, LNG, hydrogen, mm. um, ethanol. At the same time, we really try to push also our members that, look, uh, you need to decarbonize. I mean, of course, you you should not do it uh, today uh, immediately but you should take uh, measures also to to play do your take your responsibility etc and that's also because you see that uh, otherwise you're really out of business um and mm. that's what we were members but of course it's up to them to decide what they will do where they will invest in um and, and what we really say is okay at least comply with the regulations we want to be more ambitious um, as Dutch ship owners, which is of course good, um, but but yeah, we we cannot force our members to to to, be, uh, to uh, have uh, certain uh, investment decisions on uh, different fuels, etc.
0: So that's that's where it yeah,
1: stops for us as an association.
0: Are you optimistic about this transition uh, of sustainability, or you think it will be very complicated to for to help companies to to you know to change? The
1: uh, I'm well, uh, but, but that's personally uh, I'm always quite optimistic um, always. And, and I like challenges so that's good so I'm I'm the right man on the right position um, yeah. but but yeah no it, it, it is complicated it is um, I mean we have so many aspects we have uh, you have to look at uh, the tec- technical readiness level for example of the fuels of the energy carriers. That's one, so that's the technical side. But of course, who is bearing the costs? I mean, uh, we have the regulations there, but we also need uh, not only the stick, I I would call the the regulations, so to say the stick had the minimum, at least you need to comply with. But of Mm. course we want to, at least as Dutch ship owners, we want to become really uh, one of the front runners in the the shipping sector to become uh, more sustainable. Um, and there, you also need the carrot. So, where is the carrot? And and uh, do cargo owners, for example, have the shippers, those who own the cargo and uh, give the assignment to the shipping companies to shift their goods from A to B, uh, are they also willing to pay a green premium, for example, in, in case a uh, uh, ship is uh, is zero emission? Do they pay an extra fee, uh, or, or do you get a rebate or something like that? Uh, to mm. close this, I would call a green business case, um, and that would help, of course. So that we don't only have the regulation, because the regulation is only the stick, yeah, the minimum. But how can we reward the front runners? I think that's yeah. really essential. And that should be, that can be also the regulators, of course. Those were, uh, for example, with the carbon pricing, there will be billions of euros or dollars into uh, this fund. But what happens with the funds we we really need to to have this money returned to the sector for good initiatives and to also help those ship owners who are willing to well at least especially the front runners that have also a risk to decarbonize how to to have the, the as we will call it the first sheep uh, over the dam and then
0: the rest yeah okay, I can understand. It's actually is like the car industry, for example, you know, uh, the beginning of the electric car, the government gave so many uh, uh, help uh, to individuals who wanted to uh, to buy this kind of cars. Uh, now we can see more electric cars, especially in the Netherlands. It's uh, impressive the number of Tesla I've seen when I moved here. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it's a lot. But, yeah. it's all,
1: uh, well, most, but, but most of them are, are lease contracts. So, uh, don't worry. They, they don't own the no car, but it's a lease, uh, was yeah, a lease construction a few years ago. That made, <laughs> uh, that made it. That's like quite attractive, yeah. Okay. But, but uh, nevertheless, um, nevertheless, indeed, I agree with you. There was a subsidy or there is a subsidy uh, for shipping. Mm. Uh, also here, uh, here in the, the Hague, where uh, well, it's not our capital, but it's our administrative capital, I would call it, mm. here in the Netherlands. Yeah. Um, there our authorities are also saying yeah but the the shipping yeah it's it's not part of, of the netherlands huh? i mean also the dutch uh, flagged vessels they are not seen as part of the netherlands so they if you talk about climate they say yeah but they emit the the, the co2 and other emissions uh, somewhere else on the other yeah. hand i would say yeah i mean those are climate greenhouses greenhouse gases it doesn't matter whether you emit the greenhouse gases here in the Netherlands or in China or in New Zealand. I mean, they all they all help uh, the global warming uh, uh, effect. So, on mm. one hand, I you could also say, yeah, if we have now this carbon pricing mechanism, at least at the EU level with uh, the European Emission Trading Scheme, uh, and potentially also a global uh, carbon pricing system, you will earn billions not maybe even trillions if it's a a global scale uh, of euros, dollars uh, per year. Yeah, that should be returned to to our industry for those who are investing in those greener technologies to help to push also those ship owners um, to invest uh, in those technologies, those zero emission technologies and fuels, energy carriers. Um, Yes, big. and I think it's also a good a good story to to uh, to siblings. like uh, we say okay um, it's it's our own money I mean there's a carbon price of course at the end it's a consumer who pays a bit more for their bananas for the t-shirts uh, that that are imported but on the other hand it's uh, not a <clears throat> not a, a, a cent of tax. That is paid by civilians, but it's all coming from uh, the sector itself. Okay, I understand. That's yeah, really Of course, it's good to have the regulations as a stick, but on the other hand, we also need the carrot. I would say to to really attract uh, the front runners to invest in uh, in zero emission vessels.
0: Profit is very important for a company. and uh, are you trying to convince them that with sustainability they can be more profitable?
1: Yeah but but on the other hand then we also need the cargo owners that um really pay a, a, a premium or an extra fee to the shipping companies uh because at the end they also need to transport cleaner uh, their goods uh, they or the sure. the entire value chain of uh, of products they also need to decarbonize, so it's not only shipping sector, of course it's also the other sectors yeah. um mm. and we're and i I realize that we're just a part of those of this entire value chain from from factory or even uh, from from the well to the end consumer um but on the other hand, it helps of course um and that's why we really need uh also, all parties involved uh, united to collaborate closely because we cannot do it as ship on on our own. I mean, we can say, yeah, we want to become um, yeah, uh, 100% uh, uh, zero emission by 2050, but we, of course, we can. But we, we cannot pay it on our own. Um, mm. uh, so so someone uh, we and we also need the, the the fuels. We need the infrastructure. So ports we need. We need the, the yards, we need the suppliers, we need, of course, our, the clients, uh, the cargo owners, and at the end, well, sure. it will be the end consumer pays a bit more for their products. Um, sure. And I think, yeah, that's really something that, that we need to tackle. And, and uh, I think collaboration is key to, to, uh, become, uh, uh, to accelerate, actually, the carbonization of shipping.
0: Yeah, I've, I've, I've talked to another, it um, uh, was a consultant, he, he, I did a podcast with him and he said the same uh, things, like uh, collaboration, that's the best uh, solution um, to, you know, to, to improve this challenge in the industry. Um, so, yes, it's very interesting. Yeah, you, can, uh, you cannot
1: do it as a single ship company, you can not even do it yourself.
0: Yeah, so you you're you know, you
1: so. amongst Among ship owners, you really need already this collaboration.
0: Mm, okay and what about uh, the port of Rotterdam for example because this is very famous for automation you know one of the best ports for automation and what about sustainability
1: well the the port of Rotterdam uh, agreed some green corridors uh, so green trade lanes they are now identifying so between uh, for example the port of Singapore um, and the port of uh, Rotterdam as well as on the short sea side, the port of Rotterdam and the port of Göteborg in Sweden. Um, mm. but, but they are now identifying, okay, how can we um, fill in now this green corridor? Um, and that would mean that, you, for example, on both sides of the corridor, you make sure that uh, that ships can make use of onshore power supply. And so mm. they, they don't emit anything in the port while they're at berth. Um, uh, but but you need also the cargo owners on the those uh, corridors. So we're really uh, supportive of those of establishing those green corridors. Also to identify, okay, which shipping companies, which uh, cargo owners, which ports, which uh, few p- providers are are um, uh, into such a collaboration. So I think uh, green yeah. corridors could be collaborating together in this chain, in the, the 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 supply chain also to to become more sustainable to accelerate access, especially the uh, decarbonization of shipping and also to help establishing um, an infrastructure for the alternative fuels we need uh, in the future uh, to also uh, get rid of this uh, chicken egg uh, issue with uh, the yeah. fuel suppliers and saying there are, yeah. there are, there are no shipping that want uh, hydrogen, for example, and on the other side yeah. of shipping, they uh, say, yeah, there's no uh, supplier of hydrogen. So that could be a, a way forward uh, for the short term indeed. And that's what the Port of Rotterdam is now conducting as well as onshore. They are hugely now investing in uh, onshore power supply called ironing so that ships can make use of electricity uh, when they're at birth. Uh, there's also a, a, a subsidy program here in the Netherlands also for ports, not only for Rotterdam, but also other Dutch ports to invest in uh, onshore power supply. Uh, infrastructure in in ports, So that's, that's already a good thing. Of course, they also need to, uh, I mean, the European uh, climate measures also state that that ports should invest or shall invest. So it's not, uh, it's really mandatory um, that they also make sure that there is uh, enough uh, infrastructure for OPS. So, mm. um, in that sense, you see that the Port of Rotterdam um, is really working as well on uh, sustainability and uh, to help the shipping also to decarbonize. Okay, nice, but nice. They, not, so... they, they give also some rebate now already together with some other ports uh, globally with the, the oh. uh, rental shipping index. So, you have a kind of incentive program which makes for example your port fees lower if you're more sustainable so the more sustainable you are the less port fees you pay so if you're a zero emission but 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 that doesn't close a business case for the shipping company it's it's a nice to have but uh you can yes, have uh, for, for a night of course depending on the size of the ship you can have a nice out night out with your friends <laughs> in a bar with with this rebate but uh it won't help uh, to to close okay. the business green business. For a zero emission vessel, for example. It just
0: okay, but, but it's just one part. It's, mm-hmm.
1: uh, of course, a gesture also from the port.
0: Yeah. Good okay. Chance. Okay. Nice. Nice. So, uh, did you see you now I want to switch to another topic? Did you see the difference, uh, you know, since the Brexit in UK? Uh, if many companies just came to the Netherlands, uh, like it can be ship owners or big broker houses, did you see this or not?
1: Well, for the broker houses, uh, I, I I don't know. I'm not sure. Uh, for shipping, uh, well, we have seen that indeed some UK flagged vessels um, switched to other flag uh, to to Dutch flagged vessels. Some, not all. Mm. But you see that that more are uh, EU flagged, so they went uh, either to to the Netherlands, but also to Cyprus. Um, Uh, or or other uh, uh, flags, so we have seen a bit of shift, but uh, for the Dutch, I didn't see that many, it was not uh, excessive, uh, Mm. Dutch flag vessels that were, used to be British now.
0: Okay, Um, one one question, um, what is the speciality of the Netherlands in the maritime industry? I mean, if you compare this country to other countries like Denmark, Norway, UK, uh, what is the strength of Netherlands?
1: I think um, what what I really like about our fleet, eh, when, I, when I look at our Dutch fleet, we are quite unique since we uh, are quite uh, diverse. I mean, we are mm. operating in many niche markets. Um, so we have, in our fleet, we don't have oil tankers uh, on the Dutch flag then. Uh we also, well, we have some bulk carriers, but it's not the main uh, group of ships we have. So mm. we're more in the, the offshore uh, offshore wind installation, for example, dredgers, but we also have uh, cruise vessels of the Holland America Line, uh, general cargo vessels. Um, we also have those uh, uh, fast crew tenders that are sailing crew to, to windmill farms uh, in the North Sea, for example. Yeah. which is also quite a niche market. And that's what I really like. So it's it's not uh, the traditional um, uh, freight market, but it's also a passenger uh, market, um, uh, but also working vessels and all different types of, of working vessels. It's quite broad. and That's, I think, also the strength of at least the Dutch fleet at, that we're quite diverse. On the other hand, uh, it makes also uh, our lives here at the association now and then... <laughs> quite difficult since there are yeah. sometimes conflicting, uh, a, a conflict of interest uh, when it comes to some regulations, um, of course, uh, or that it doesn't fit for all ships. I mean, there's no one size fits all. So especially uh, when we just discussed about the view of the future, of the near future. I mean, that's what I meant with, uh, for example, with those smaller crew, fast crew, tender vessels, they are now focusing on hydrogen. Some of them are already sailing on hydrogen. Mm. Uh, but they really have a short distance um which is completely different than for example cruise vessel of the Holland America line uh also yes. with uh, uh, thousands yeah. of passengers and their crew on board so um it's it's quite unique what we have in the Dutch fleet at the other i said it's all on the hand is also quite challenging now and then uh, to have really one um yeah uh, i'd say it uh, one one point of view. Well, on different topics. Um since yeah there's no one size <clears throat> fits all uh, solution for everything.
0: Um but the offshore offshore is uh, as as well very very developed in Netherlands. Um you're doing a lot of stuff in the North Sea, a lot of uh, windmill projects, uh, windmill farms for example, with Van Ors, Van Ors, they worked a lot uh, in this project for example. Yep. So yes. Many challenges, very yeah, interesting.
1: One of our uh, they're one of our members indeed, um and they are also quite ambitious. Uh, also, when it comes to sustainability, uh, I think those uh, those companies are one of uh, this company, especially, is then one of the really front runners in our uh, fleet um, that really wants to decarbonize and uh, is really yeah. looking for solutions to uh, to become climate neutral as soon as possible. Yeah, but we see a yeah. lot like, like other companies. I think also in, in especially in that, that field, uh, the offshore wind, as I would call it. Um, uh, we also have some other me- members like HIRMA, Marine Contractors, for example. Those companies are quite also, um, well, th- their assignment providers are mainly uh, authorities. So they say, okay, uh, of course we are willing to, uh, but give us then also a bit more premium so that we can uh, operate with cleaner fuels or uh, uh mm-hmm. more energy efficient. Uh, make sure, making use of onshore power supply, for example uh, the Herema Marine Contractors uh, I think this, in Rotterdam here we have uh, the, the biggest onshore power supply um, uh, unit uh, onshore, uh, I think a 10 megawatt which is quite oh. a lot of course uh, for, for an offshore uh, vessel of, uh, of two offshore vessels actually of Herema Marine Contractors uh, and they, were also, they also got a subsidy uh, a partly subsidy for that so we see really good initiatives already there, um, but I think also also because mainly authorities uh, give their the assignments, and there, since authorities are also of course quite committed to sustainability, and that we see like in the, the freight, in the, the traditional cargo markets, for example, especially business to business, that 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 uh, the cargo owners don't. Well, in most cases, at this time, at least, that they are not willing to pay a bit more for the, to shift the cargo in a green way, rather than we see, for example, in the um, offshore wind.
0: Mm. Yeah, I think you have, you have so many yeah, projects going on right now uh, in the Netherlands, uh, uh, yes, let's see the future. Do you have something else to add? Because now I think it's the end of the podcast. We, we talk uh, f- for maybe more than 36 minutes. Uh, do you want to add something, Uh word of the end, maybe?
1: No, I think, uh, well, we cover it uh, more or less all. I mean, I can dive into all the regulations, but I think yeah. uh, I won't... Uh, I won't uh, um, uh, Disturb your uh, your audience with that, uh, all those boring details uh, of all those regulations. Oh, it's nice but, uh, but... <laughs> I mean, collaboration collaboration is key. Um, <clears throat> we cannot do it as ship owners ourselves. The suppliers cannot do it themselves. So we really mm. need each other. And, and I mean, that means also that we all need to pay a bit more. And also the shipping company itself. I mean, we can also not say, okay, you have to pay everything, the rest... <laughs> so we will make sure we. Yeah, have sure. It. sure. But at the end, we need a green business case, um, and I think also the, the the revenues that will come with carbon pricing, which is now which will enter into force as from next year. Uh, I think, please spend the money well, and and let it return to the industry uh, and give it to projects where, where zero emission okay. vessels vessels are uh, are uh, taken into account so that we really can uh, move forward.
0: Okay, that's uh, that's perfect. Uh, thank you very much, Nick, for this podcast, for this episode. It was very interesting, and I hope the audience will, I, I'm sure they will like it. Uh, that's always very interesting to ask these questions because that's uh, the future and even as the current challenge. So thank you, Nick. Uh, You're very and, welcome. Uh, see, you, see you around in Rotterdam. <laughs> see you. Thanks a lot. And, Thank you. I wish you a pleasant day. Bye-bye. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Maritime Vision podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode and gained valuable insights into the maritime industry. Be sure to tune in for our next episode, where we'll continue to explore the latest trends and developments in this fascinating field.